This is Justin Rubenstein of the J. Rubenstein team at Compass Real Estate, and you are listening to the Real Talk Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Real Talk Podcast. We are at the tail end of 2023, and as tradition, with all of our guests, our friends, our followers, our listeners, as you know, we love to talk about what happened in 2023, end of the year wrap-up pod. We also want to talk about the prediction line. What's going to happen in our world and business in real estate in 2024? Who are the winners? Who are the losers? As much as the woke left want to talk about how unfair the world is, as much as you hate it or you may love it, there are always winners and there are always losers. So I want to talk to you about our business, business in general, each of those categories for 2023 and 2024. But before we get started, a couple of words, right? Answer these in a couple of words so that the listeners can obviously re-get to know you. And also we can talk about, you know, maybe a couple of things that I may find interesting based on those answers. So what is your favorite social media platform? My favorite social media platform, I guess maybe I sound like a little bit of a nerd, but it's LinkedIn because I feel like there's just less junk and it's like a little bit more um, informative than the others. And there's like less of the, you know, there's less of the junk in the weeds to sift through. Favorite podcast of the year. I started listening to more to more of Joe Rogan's podcast this year, which I know has been popular for a long time, but he had some guests. I kind of looked at like his top 20 podcasts the last couple of years and uh, listened to uh, some of those guests, which were pretty informative. What about your favorite episode of, a, of the podcast that from Joe Rogan. So it's this one that I'm listening to right now, um, Naval Ravikant. Have you listened to him? No. Yeah, he talks like a lot about, um, so he's an angel investor, he's an entrepreneur, but he talks also just like a lot about like the emotions and the energy involved in like having a good life and having a good business and tying them all together. And he was really informative. I think I think Joe Rogan's had him on a few times. So it depends which podcast you listen to, which episode you listen to. Okay. But I'm listening to one of his right now, which has been, um, just a lot about like how to succeed in life without becoming overwhelmed with well, like, you know, uh, filtering out a lot of the noise, a lot of the social media noise you hear and um, running a good business while also being like, you know, a good citizen and also a good family person. Okay. Seems like a perfect episode for someone that is overwhelmed with over information and over data from all the social media influencers and the quote unquote professor, uh, professionals. Sure. Uh, okay. Very good. What's your favorite new development project? Project. Well, I think 50 West 66 is going to be really exciting. I think it sold 35 or 40 percent without even mm-hmm. coming to market. Mm-hmm. Um, Most so expensive contract uh, signed last week, I believe, right? Is that 40, right? 40 million. It's probably, yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. It's probably one of their high floor four beds mm-hmm. in the tower. Mm-hmm. So I think those are scheduled to close 2025. The house, the smaller portions, scheduled to close. They're calling for Q4 2024. Have you been in the sales office or inside the property? A couple times, yeah. Oh, wow. I haven't been in the building um, for a site tour, which they're not really doing site tours, but I've been in the sales office a couple times. Yeah, I've got a client that uh, that's interested in, in uh, one of the three bids there. So just not a lot of new development projects in the pipeline this year. Not really. So anything that's coming on, like Excel, I feel like the timing is pretty right. Yeah. You know, they may not have been as successful in some of their other projects downtown, but this one probably might be a home. Yeah, for them. it's going to be pretty neat. I mean, it's not on the park, but you're going to have great views. There is some new development going up around it that will block some of the views. But depending on the unit that you get there, you can get... Uh, a really cool apartment, especially in the tower. You've got, I think, 13-foot ceilings, beautiful views, and tons of amenities. Indoor pool and outdoor pool. It's going to be really neat. Okay. Yeah, and right uh, by Lincoln Center. Switch to resale. Do you have a favorite resale property or building 
that he I mean, recently. I've always been a big fan fan of the Shepherd. You, oh, know? you know, this is the same exact exact answer. He's consistent. Is that right? That's right. Wait, consistent with other brokers or with what I said last year? What you year? said last year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome I'm back. Still a big fan of the Shepherd. It's got a great location and it's cool because it's downtown New Development, it's pre- but it's pre war. There's never ever any inventory there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it seems like you look at the building, it's like there's really nothing that really sells. Uh, we'll kind of hold nice uh, property. Yeah. Right? That was a good building. Okay. Do you have a favorite deal of the year? The personal highlight of the year. We did host a very successful Halloween party. That was a great party, yeah. Personal mm-hmm. highlight of the year. It's, that's personal. It's watching Sullivan go from one to two. Wow, it's been amazing. Yeah, huge. She likes to dance with me, which mm-hmm. is really cool. This morning she was dancing to uh, Peter Cetera. Next time I fall in love. Okay, you know that was really good. She okay. we also did our little Aretha Franklin this morning. Okay, so that's 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 been the best part. I mean, of the year. The, it can't get any more personal than that. And all you wish for is her growth and her health. Yeah, happiness. Yeah, okay, good. It's been amazing. Good. Okay. Do you have a personal trip of the year memorable trip of the year. well we're going to the cayman islands in a few weeks so that's going to be it yeah and that would be great um although we had a great trip you and i that's right and that yeah. was an awesome trip that was a yeah. really great trip that was a great trip we got some good snow we had ski and ski out 15 of us there that was really fun that was my best trip of the you got year. some good air yes i did some good shots yeah, good, good yeah. Photos. kudos to you with the shot of the year shot of the year of the year yeah that that's awesome. right i'm gonna have to plug that into the uh b-roll there i've got it handy if you need it okay good Everyone has their go-to places, right? My go-to Fairfax uh, in, in the West Village uh, or, you know, some, some of my Japanese sushi spots. But what about this year? Do you have a, a new restaurant that you have found and that you have enjoyed this year? Cucina Alba. Cucina um, Alba. Tell us about it. The ground floor of uh, the Lantern House. Okay. Uh, I think it was a Michelin star chef that, uh, it's not a Michelin star restaurant, but I think the chef that, that opened it was a Michelin star chef. Mm-hmm. So that's been great. To uh, got to dinner indoors, had a great outdoor seating there one night. It's like right along 10th Avenue, but it's pretty nope. quiet, no well. pleasant. Mm-hmm. And then also the new Ritz in the Nomad has been like my favorite place to go get a coffee this year. Got a couple different places. They got a bar, they got a lounge, they got a cafe, they got a restaurant. Uh, so the Ritz Nomad has been really nice. Our resident nightlife expert, I like to switch gears, Danielle. You, are you familiar with any of these locations? Uh, not the Ritz Nomad, no. That's nice. Yeah. Cochita uh, Alba? That's right. Actually, they live in that building. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. Good call. Yeah. Good call. I will have to try there myself and Danielle. Yeah. We should go sometime. Okay. That sounds great. So, I want to switch gears. Your favorite social media platform, LinkedIn. Don't you think there's too many people patting themselves on the back of LinkedIn? I mean, yes, but you asked me my favorite. So, (laughs) like, I mean, I'm not a huge social media guy. I mean, you are on Facebook. Yeah, sure. And Instagram. But I mean, those would be the few I would choose from. It'd be, uh, it's not going to be TikTok. True. And yeah, I like Instagram. But the thing about it is, is you just get sucked in. It's like so hard to restrain yourself. <laughs> so like I give it negative points. Whereas LinkedIn, I'm not going to get sucked into LinkedIn. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. No. But at least like I see some interesting articles. I see what my colleagues are doing. True, true. My friends in finance are doing. Okay. Um, it's just like a lot less fluff. So it's like the lesser of several evils that you're asking Mary about. Several really. evils. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, that's a great, great answer. Do you have a favorite social? Are you on, you're a TikTok girl? No, I like Instagram. Yeah, yeah, IG. IG girl. Yeah, okay. I'm always torn. I think this year is, is for me is Twitter just because of just a new UX platform. There's a lot more going on with Twitter. There's, well, since Elon purchased the company, obviously. Yeah. And the, his acquisition of Twitter, I think, really transformed the user database. The way ads work now, it's not as it's not as um, I would say, just blindingly just ads like Instagram is. So, 
I think Twitter next year will become a better platform for more users to be engaged on. Any event, let's talk about real estate. We're going to go into the biggest winners of real estate in 2023. A lot of winners this year, right? We have we have the very high interest rate environment, which actually causes you know, cap rates to go up, which means that the buyers have, are buying at the, high, the highest cap rates if you're a commercial investor in the history of the last 20 years. A lot of winners in, you know, we just talked about Extel, you know, on 66, 66th Street is probably a winner. I mean, that project is going up when there's literally no other notable new development projects right. being built, especially in, in, in a uh, protected neighborhood like the Upper West Side. So right. for you, in your world, in your view, who is the biggest winner in real estate in 2023? I feel like maybe Naftali. I feel like everything they had, Upper East and Upper West, mainly Upper East, they just sold out. Like there was so much demand and they didn't really have much trouble doing They have much trouble selling those. Okay. They've got those big, gracious floor plans. Um, they're expensive, but they're not exorbitantly expensive. And you've got a lot of people that were potentially co-op buyers that gravitated towards some of those Naftali buildings. And I, you know, not everyone likes them, but I feel like the buyers are really happy with those buildings. And they've sold out everything they had. They're very savvy. I think Miki Naftali went on The Real Deal and actually did an interview with Amir Karangi about how he bought zero deals in like the like the late 2000s. So like no, no, no late 2010, sorry. So like no deals between like 2015 to like 2020. Like he, wow. they, bought, they literally bought nothing. And now they're building all, all of a sudden and they're delivering awesome quality projects. And another big notable one coming up is uh, in South Goldberg. Oh, is that right? Right on the waterfront, yeah, the city community. Is that south of Schaefer Landing? It's right south. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. South. yeah. I showed off the record, I mean, you have to edit it, but I showed Amir my loft in Soho the other day. Oh, you did? Yeah, he came with, uh, you know who he came with, actually, speaking of social media, is that guy that has 300,000 some followers, Jonathan uh, from Element, Jonathan Park, I think. The, the tall Asian guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, he wow, interesting. Him. He was registered with someone else, and they canceled, and like a week or two later, he showed up with Jonathan. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, Amir is awesome. Like, I had never met him before. Oh, really? Yeah, he was nice. Yeah, he's just the face of the industry. Well, face of the real, obviously. Yeah. So in your world, who was the loser in real estate in 2023? I think it was anyone that paid exorbitant prices on Billionaire's Road just thinking they could flip them or that they'd definitely get their money out of them and then realize they had to sell. I mean, there was a foreclosure. Well, that was uh, um, that was one of the developers. Didn't CIM sue... Harry Macklow? Macklow, 432. 432 but, that, but that was like, you know, just one of many. I think you've got a lot of people that are selling for losses at 432 and maybe Central Park Tower and 157. I think the majority of the sellers of anything in the Midtown Corridor is a new development. High-rise units are selling at a loss. Yeah, if you've got a special penthouse. Noah, Noah from the, um, the TV show, Stella Tower. Oh, you're talking about uh, the, the host of... Host. Uh, Oh, yeah. He came to look at one of my properties, too. You're talking about, um, he, he retired from The Daily Show. He retired uh, from The Daily I'm Show. drawing a blank on his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Yeah. Boom. Trevor he, Noah. He sold at Stella Tower? That's right. He sold oh. his property at Stella oh, really? Tower at a loss. I think Nick right. Evans sold it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's just one reason. Well, one, this is one small example. How about 53 West 53rd, which is a great development project with uh, uh, Heinz, I think. Heinz. There you Heinz go. Yeah, Golden, Goldman Sachs and Heinz. Yeah. Uh, the sale started there nine years ago. About 50% of the building is sold. Half of our sponsor units, and then there's also a contingent of resale units that are directly competing with the new development sponsor. Right. So, I mean, there's so yeah. many units there with just interior interior views or compromised views. So those lower floor units are hard to sell. Screwed. Yeah. And then if you're a higher floor unit, like that's great, you get the views, but you're still six blocks from Central Park. Yep. And you're also not you directly 
you're like looking at other high rises directly. But... Right, right. It's yeah. nice, but it's like, yeah, you're still six blocks from the park. Moma, Moma, you know, Moma Tower. How often can you go to Moma? It's the question. Like, you can go there all the time if you want. I guess. Really, if you're, I mean, F train's right there. We're in Flatiron. It takes <laughs> 10 minutes to get there. Right. Yeah, it's a straight shot. So, yes. okay, the biggest losers, so in your, just to summarize, it, are the uh, people that bought new development projects in Midtown Manhattan and those high rises that thought they could flip it. Maybe they were even losers last year too. Yeah. What do yeah. you think? Uh, they were losers in 2022 and 2023 because they thought they could automatically get their money out. However, we don't really know what they're doing with that money. So maybe just because they lost $10 million, apparently it doesn't necessarily mean they were losers because they had to do something with the money. That's right. And they've got a tax write-off. So who knows if they're actually losers in real life. But as far as we can tell, they're losing a lot of money on those properties. What do you think about 220 Central Park South? I'm still a fan of 220 Central Park. It's a special one. Yeah, that one is an outlier. You think so? Yeah, you don't really have losers in that building. No. But I think everyone kind of knew, like, if you could even get one, that you would win in that building, and and they were right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like that one is the only one that was quietly sold successfully. You don't see a lot of resale there. That's right. It's fully And if you do see a resale, those sellers did well. That's right. Yeah, that's that's the exception. Great. Yeah, biggest winner in business, not real estate related in 2023. Lots of examples out there. Right. Uh, the, whether you're a local auto dealer that has, just has no inventory, uh, right. can't get cars, cars are backed up for years, to you know some some of the biggest uh, commercial brokers right now are, are having record years because yeah. they have the network to sell properties at value, where there are hungry buyers right now that want to match the match or do better than what the treasury treasury yields are offering. You know, at a five, six, seven, or eight cap. Right. What about luxury resorts? I feel like there have been like several luxury resorts that have done really well in the last couple of years. I think it's a great one. Post-COVID. Um, some that have uh, revitalized their properties or some new resorts. We're going to one in the Cayman Islands. It's a few, year, few years old called Palm Heights. I think they're doing really well. And you'll see some of those rooms are charging 30, 40, 50% more than they were charging a couple of years ago because people um, value like, you know, a really special getaway where they can uh, feel special have great customer service have a great uh location not that hard to get to and i think those resorts are charging much higher rates than they were a few years ago i think the, the top stocks in 2023 for growth was the hospitality stocks. Oh, so is that right hyatt, oh there you it go was hyatt ihg okay and uh starwood maybe St- starwood and hilton yeah are like and, and yeah and I think there was another hotel in there but yeah those those stocks seem to have done extremely well that makes sense right people work cramped in 2020 and now and just you know, all of a sudden all of a sudden people want to travel so right it and totally like, makes sense especially the high-end luxury stuff you know you just see like you'll go you'll look at some of these resorts they've got reached for two thousand bucks a night three thousand bucks a night and they're booked yeah it's like who are all these people spending all this money but, where do they all come from right well you also have like danielle and her friends just traveled to london oh there you go traveling the world exploring yeah just, so yeah it's, travel is definitely back are you traveling to any uh, ski resorts this winter? Well, I intend to. Um, so I'll probably take a trip in February or March. But okay. It'll be kind of last minute. Okay. I will uh, also let you know if I have a house Thank available. You. Okay. Uh, biggest loser in business in 2023? Biggest? There's a lot, right? Um, so I'm sure people talked about Twitter and Elon Musk, right? We'll see, yet to be seen, like how that plays out still. But biggest losers in business in 2023? Well, I think it would be your private liberal arts colleges that are technically nonprofits, but they're really a business. I think a lot of them are big losers because they have no integrity and they don't stand up for anything and they can't make a statement that uh, they can't make a statement about um, political justice and they can't make a statement. I got to back up here a little bit, but um, 
I think it would be a lot of the uh, high-end liberal arts colleges in the U.S. that uh, have been um, bleeding a lot of money because their donors are backing away from them because they feel like they have the leadership has no integrity and they're losing a lot of money to their endowments. Of course, their endowments are still huge, but um, it's hard for them to save face because they can't stand up for what they say they believe in and they're losing donors left and right. I mean, if, if a president of a university cannot condemn, condemn genocide. basic human rights, right? Genocide, right. can't condemn right. genocide against, who cares? Like, it doesn't have to be Jewish, right? It could be blacks, Muslims, <laughs> Palestinians, who, who cares? Doesn't right. matter. What does violate your code of conduct? If genocide doesn't, what does violate your code of conduct? It, it seems like it's, um, they are overcoached from a, from a lawyer yeah. and they pay the a lot of money to and PR right. people. Yeah. And they, they just stood silent and did, went against what should be just common sense. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. That's an interesting topic. And not always about money, but it could be. It's, it's about the, their respect and the prestige that they may have had uh, before October 7th uh, to where we are today. So, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good answer. The biggest real estate surprise for you in 2023? Biggest real estate surprise? Rise for me in 2023. I think maybe just the fact that like prices are still high in the suburbs, but there's but like you can't even though they've come down and it's slowed down, it's still hard to find a good house and a good and a good location in Mm -hmm. the suburbs. And those prices are still high. They've come down. It's slowed, but it's still hard to get a really good house. It is hard at a good price, and a lot of people that missed out on that pre-COVID. So I think the fact that uh, even though things have softened, it's still hard to get a really nice house at a good price in the suburbs. And And prices have not come down. Not nearly as as, as people yeah. may have expected, right? Right. Maybe maybe the surprise would be the inelasticity the inelasticity of the market. That interest rates went up a certain amount, but prices did not come down in an elastic mm-hmm. fashion. Okay. Especially in the city. Good. And somewhat in the suburbs. Any trends that you've seen that were new in real estate in twenty twenty three that you liked or you kind of noted, whether so it's th- social media or business tactics or so this is something that was really interesting that happened to us actually four times in 2023. We had a property that we tried to sell. It was on the market for three to six months. We didn't end up selling it. And the owner said, it's okay, let's rent it. Then we put it on for rent. Then we rented it really quickly. We got a signed lease, but we had the renter agree that if we sold it in the next 30 days before the board package was approved and before they moved in, that we could then cancel the lease, give them a little bit of a buyout, like a kill fee, and then sell it. And in four cases, we did that this year. We had a property. Oh, yeah, it's four now. We had a property that was on the market. We didn't end up selling it. We rented it. And then all of a sudden, once it was rented and people called to inquire about the sale, said, oh, well, now you've got 21 days or 17 days to buy it. And then all of a sudden, the buyers came out and we sold those properties. So it's kind of a trend now because you've got a lot of owners that are okay selling or okay renting. And then all of a sudden, once the rental is go- once the renter is in place and the opportunity to buy that property is no longer there, then all of a sudden the buyers come out and say, okay, okay, I'll buy it now. So that might be a little bit of a trend in the future that if you have a property on for sale and for rent, you actually end up selling it when you get close to renting it. What happens to the tenants again? So the way that I've structured it is I put a buyout clause in the rider that says if we sell it before the board package is approved that will give you a month's rent to cancel the lease. And the renters have been happy to do that. They say, oh, I'll take a month's rent and go find another rental. And the sellers are happy and then the buyers are happy because they get what they want and they realize that they're about to lose it because it's going to go to a renter. Psychology of can't have 
what yeah. you can't have. Human nature, yeah. Human nature. You want what it, you can't have. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting tactic. Uh, we may have to we have to try that as well. Yeah. So that might be a tr- it might be a trend in the future that it's like we'll put it on for sale. We don't sell it. We'll rent it. But we're going to give ourselves 30 extra days to sell it because then all of a sudden it becomes easier. <laughs> okay, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, worst trend in real estate in 2023. It's got to be social media, right? Oh, I tell mean, me more about yeah, it. I mean, well, you it's... know what you said? The best trend in 2022 were the people that, new people that are coming in using social media in our business. Do you remember when you said that? I, I think I said that there were more qualified agents coming into the business. Yeah, Is that what qualified I agents. Yeah. yeah, they're using like technology and their marketing yeah. and... yeah. I think it's just like, um, I think it's just littered the landscape for consumers and there's just like so much real estate porn out there. They don't really know what to make of it. And like, there's not much, um, like there's not a lot of facts behind the, the, um, you know, all the listings and all the, um, talk you see about properties. It's like, you don't really know whose listing it is all in some cases it doesn't really matter, but yeah. there's just so much of it. I think it's overwhelming. Okay, great. I agree with you. Overstimulation of data. Okay, next. Predict the biggest winner in real estate in 2024. I think the biggest winners in real estate in 2024, and this is a prediction, so, you know, it's really hard to, to say. Hard to be right happen. on these things. But my prediction is that interest rates will come down a little bit. Agreed. And once they come down, sellers will dig their heels in and they'll say, I'm not lowering my price anymore. I'll wait for the buyer to come. And I think it's going to be the buyers that sense that when interest rates come down and they get in right then before the market comes back and they find themselves on the outside looking in. Okay. Do you think the prices will go up next year on the aggregate? I don't think that necessarily they'll go up a lot, maybe a couple percentage points, but I think that the good stuff will sell and we'll still see a lack of inventory because uh, properties that have been lingering all of a sudden will get more attention. They'll sell and there will be inventory, but like I think the good stuff is going to be hard to come by because, again, sellers can rent those properties if they don't feel like selling at those prices. Mm-hmm. But I think that we'll see that, that sellers will dig their heels in as soon as the interest rate environment softens. Um, I think that's what we'll see. But okay. who knows if they actually come down? Winners will be who? The winners will be the, right, right, okay. The winners will be the buyers that sense that and say, what, our interest rates are down, now I'm going in. And the losers will be the ones that don't sense that. And then all of a sudden they find themselves on the outside looking outside in. Outside looking in. Got it. Okay, so you just t- knock down two birds, uh, two questions with one answer. Killed two uh, stones with one bird. That's right. Well, you two, two you <laughs> killed two questions with one stone, basically. The neighborhood that you anticipate in 2024 that will be the most attractive and what type of product would that be? Co-op, condo, multifamily, single family, townhouse, or maybe commercial building or commercial block. Like what neighborhoods, what product, what type of inventory will be the most attractive to consumers in 2024? So this might be similar to what I said last year, but I still think Brooklyn townhouses are gonna be really popular. Okay. Brooklyn Heights, Specifically, Park Slope. Single family, two family? Single family or two family, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, really, not necessarily the multifamily stuff, but mm-hmm. your single family and two family townhouses, but meant for a single family or maybe- And where in Brooklyn little. do you have a specific area? That Prospect you... Heights. Okay, why is that? Because I think you find people looking at Park Slope and sometimes Cobble Hill and Borham Hill that say, let me go to the other side of the park. And they realize I can be so close to the park, so close to multiple forms of transportation, so close to Grand Army Plaza, but you can get slightly better prices in Prospect Heights. And you've got nice townhouse stock there. A lot of 20-footers, a lot of things that uh, are in good shape, maybe need a little bit of renovation. And the prices aren't quite as bad. The market's not quite as stiff there. Um, So Prospect Heights I like, but basically Cobble Hill, Borham Hill, Brooklyn Heights, Prospect Heights, Park Slope, those townhouses. There's just such limited inventory, especially okay. for the good stuff. Least attractive inventory in neighborhood. What types of properties are we talking about? Maybe even types of layouts you think will be in 2024? Uh, this is a good question. 
the least attractive type of inventory and neighborhood right and neighborhood and types of properties i think it's just going to be some of the stuff that like you've had some upper east side and upper west side co-ops that have just been sitting for a while that are in some of these big postmodern buildings um what types of calls we're talking like two bedrooms three bedrooms one bedroom two bed and three bed co-ops that just kind of like are in some of these postmodern buildings that don't have uh don't have a lot of interest Actually, there is a, another thought I had, which I can come back to, but some of these postmodern buildings in the Upper East and Upper West that have, um, where the apartments aren't that special. So now you've got people that are paying high interest rates that otherwise would have been a buyer because they want to own equity, right? And now it's like, if I'm buying something that's not that special, maybe I should just rent and kind of wait around. So those sellers that have something that might not be that special, I think they're going to struggle to sell theirs again in 2024. Mm. An interesting thing that I saw in 2023, and these might be some of your winners actually, are well-maintained and well-run co-ops where you've got a lot of condos, especially those built after the financial crisis that were built pretty quickly and pretty hastily. Some of those you're seeing skyrocketing common charges. And all of a sudden it's like all these people that bought there because it looked really pretty in the beginning or they wanted to have the flexibility of a condo. No one's like, no one's running the ship there. So no, everyone wants the flexibility of a condo, but nobody wants to be in charge. So nobody is paying attention when it needs a new roof, you know, if the basement floods, things like that. Whereas a, in a co-op, it's like that little old lady in the elevator that knows all your business, that like knows everything about all your finances that you don't want to talk to. She's the one making sure that the roof is in good shape. And she's the one making sure that if there's a leak in the basement, it's taken care of. And you'll see a lot of those co-ops, their finances are in very, very good shape. So there's a pro and con to everything. You know, there's two sides to every story. It's like, oh, I don't want everyone up in my business, but those people that are up in your business are making sure the building is well run. Whereas that downtown condo, that's a boutique building that looked really shiny and new when you first looked at it. No one's really, no one's really kind of in charge there. They're asleep at the wheel. Good, They're not paying attention to how many renters are in the building and who's maintaining it. Perhaps has not been tried and tested yet in the... Uh and the actual ups and downs of a real true real estate market. Yeah. Now they're starting to first to get the real and taste of yeah, what it's like managing a building. That first cycle right. of sellers is reali- realizing, oh my God, my common charges have doubled. Mm. Anyone can run a, a well-made new development, but can they run it when it's 15 plus years old? Right. That's right. Well, thank you for your time, Justin. Very insightful uh, answers and wish you a very happy new year. Happy holidays. Talk. Happy 2024. We hope to, you know, travel, party. We were just in San Diego. That was great. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. We fun. we learned. We partied. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we get to do more of that again next year while you know you also get to watch Sullivan grow. So yeah. thank you for listening. And I will plug Justin's Instagram in the show notes so you guys can give him a follow. All right. Thank you very much. On my LinkedIn. Or LinkedIn. 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 Yes.